Hola, ¿qué tal amigos? Welcome to another episode of Academics on Amigos. I am your host, Anthony Ramirez. We have a great episode today. In this special episode of Academics on Amigos, I get to interview Dr. Joey Lopez from Texas A&M University. This is the first interview where I had a face-to-face -face interaction, so the sound quality might be a little bit different. So just a heads up about that. But let's get started with this episode. Hope you enjoy. What's up, everyone? How's it going? Welcome to Academics and Amigos. Um, I'm here with Dr. Joey Lopez. He is an associate professor of practice and media lab director at Texas A&M University. So if you're seeing this like on camera, you're seeing the secrets behind the scenes. And this is the first uh, episode we're doing, um, you know, um, during the pandemic in person. Both of us are fully vaccinated and everything. And um, so this is cool. This is like a, our first live um, recording. Joey, how are you, man? I'm doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like like you said, this is our first kind of meetup. You know, I had everybody that I've uh, kind of been COVID, you know, uh, uh, accompanying with. Mm -hmm. But uh, this is our first meetup where, you know, we're like fully vaccinated, both mm -hmm. of us, for a while now. And um and I'm excited. I'm excited to kind of experiment and kind of get back in to the scheme of things. I think it's going to, I think it's going to hit us heavier than we think. Mm -hmm. I also think, I don't know. I have all these theories, so no, we'll get I, into I, it. I, I, I'm, I'm uh, in the same boat where it's like, I feel like we have to kind of get um, acclimated into being social again, like face to face. Yeah, and yeah you know? for real. Um, do you teach face to face right now? No, I don't. Oh, okay. Johnny does, but I don't. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. um for those of you who don't know who Johnny is, Johnny is a very close friend of ours and a former student of uh, Joey's and now he's also a uh instructor at Texas A&M and he yeah. works really close with us in uh different projects and other stuff like that. So, yeah. Um that that's Johnny, so shout out to Johnny. Um, yeah, we'll we'll wrangle that boy in at some point. Definitely, definitely. He's going to be a part of Academics and Amigos for sure. Um so I'm really excited to talk to you um because um not like for me, you, you've been a person who has um, been very influential to me. Um, you, you've been in, influential to me in terms of uh, your mentorship, your teaching style, um, the different projects that we work and collaborate on. And so I'm excited to talk about all those different things. Um, but one of the first questions I have for you is like, how did you decide to pursue a PhD? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, I kind of have to go back to like, going to college in general mm -hmm. um so you know i was i wasn't smart like i was never considered smart and um and so it wasn't like a a, a given path to me to go oh you're gonna go to college now i did get some given path in the fact that even though i wasn't really college material quote unquote and i don't mean it like i felt that way i mean i was told that oh, wow. <laughs> like like uh, the the funniest one that i was told that by was uh uh this english teacher who was teaching me dual credit mm -hmm. english like mm -hmm. from uh like community college credit mm -hmm. was like i don't think you'll make it in college and i was just like wow, wow okay well i'm taking your class and I, I got through with like a c or a b i don't know i never had to take it again so that was that but uh <laughs> You know, like that was kind of how I had I, uh, the way I, I told people is that I had enough stupid in me to keep going. And uh, and what I mean by that is that, like, I just didn't know any better. So mm -hmm. people would be like, I don't think you can do that. Like, so 
I, you know, I, I, uh, I went to high school in an inner city school. Um, it was considered drug ridden and like all this, like, you know, gangster kind of space. And a lot of my friends that I went to middle school with, like we split high schools, like they went to the nice school. We went to mm-hmm. Holmes high school it was mm-hmm. considered, you know, and it was, I mean, it was tough. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, I mean, you know, we definitely had some people get busted for automatic weapons oh, wow. and drug dogs every week. And, you know, like the regular stuff, <laughs> this was in the nineties. So, I mean, it, 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 it definitely had that feel to it, but it also had like academic decathlon and tennis and mm-hmm. football and basketball and like all the, the other things stuff. that like everybody else had art mm-hmm. club and, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, so I just kind of like, I don't know. I just kind of thrived, uh, in that space, but I didn't thrive again, like a normal, like PhD. Mm-hmm. It was more like I, uh, I just had all these awkward encounters mm-hmm. So I would keep having professors that would be like, you're really smart, you don't, but you don't really like show it in any way academically. (laughs) And again, I mean this in like the most sincerest way. It was like so weird. Like I had a computer science teacher who like let me go all the way to like computer science three dual credit. And like I never had to take any sciences in college because like I had dual credit computer science. But like, do I know how to program? Well, no, not really. But what I did know how to do was like facilitate people learning how to program Mm -hmm. and learning how to use computers and learning like all these other things around the culture of computing, you know. Uh (laughs) And so um, so I could like take. You know, I was literally like the guy in this movie Office Space by uh, uh, um, Mike Judd. By Mike Judd, yeah, yeah. from Austin. And, um, you know, I was a guy that could take the papers from the engineers and give them to the customers and from the customers to the engineers. Like, I was that person. And that was like basically how I got into academia. And, um, and that's how I've been since. Mm-hmm. That I've always been like this, uh, as my uh, mentor called uh, Sandy Stone would say, a uh, uh, code switcher, or like mm-hmm. Gloria Anzaldúa would say, like the coyote, like yeah. the shapeshifter, like the person that could take one thing and, and transfer it to another. So, so, and it literally started out that way. Like I started out as an undergrad. Um, like the way I got into college was I was not in the top ten percent. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't like. But what I did get to do was in high school, like my older brother, two years older than me, got into MIT. Oh, wow. And, uh, and it was a big deal. And we were all like really impressed. And um, my, uh, my sister was in the UT band. And my um, uh, brother had gone to MIT uh, to a recruitment event. And uh, that weekend, my sister had put on a, a, you know, had played at the band. And they were having a banquet for the UT band. So my family went to it and, uh, there was this guy sitting there, this guy named Dr. Galvan, this, uh, uh, Latino guy. And, um, he was just sitting there by himself. And my dad was like, we should go sit over there. And I was like, okay. So we went and sat with him and it turns out like he's a, like a, a, an associate provost. And like his job is to recruit minorities to UT. Oh, wow. And so he was like, oh, your son's at MIT looking at it? Like, no, like that's not going to happen. Like we're, you know, here's my information. Meet me at this gym's like off Burnett and 183, like blah, 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 you know, in a week or something. And like my brother and my parents went and met him. Mm -hmm. 
and they like didn't know if this was real or not you know kind of like i mean he had a card and everything but it just felt so surreal so we go and they like end up my brother ends up going and working for ibm at at uh in austin before he even starts going to ut and uh he starts his internships there and and um i say internships because he works for he worked for a couple different groups Mm -hmm. and uh and so then you know when i when when i was like looking at colleges my dad was just like really on me i mean one thing about my dad was that he was like you're going to college Mm -hmm. um and you know my brother's an engineer i'm very uh like if you saw me you would be like this guy is meant to be an engineer. Now, what my counselor in high school saw me as was someone that worked well with his hands. It could be an AC repairman, which is what they told me. But my dad was like, you're going to be an engineer. So kind of took both both things. And and uh, and what happened was um, I was of this generation that was just fortunate that we had so, like we talk about DEI right now, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well, mm. engineering is like one of the first spaces to really implement that and have it like we don't think of it that way but like they were and so i went to mites and mm-hmm. uh, like in my junior to senior year i think and which is minorities introduction to engineering at mm-hmm. ut austin mm-hmm. and it was all minority driven mm-hmm. by people of color that were running it so that I could see trajectory. Imagine that showing trajectory, right? So it's like, I went to this camp for a week. Mm. You stayed overnight. Like it was crazy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had like little competitions, but we had a bunch of field trips. Like we went to um, uh, 3M, like where they make the post-it, you know? transparencies back in the day yeah Yeah. they made but they also made like light they had a lightning room for testing like all their uh uh like high uh high intensity uh, electronics Mm -hmm. and and uh, insulators and things like that Mm -hmm. and we went to national instruments and we went to the pickle research center and went to the wind tunnel and aerospace engineering and magnetic labs and like really got to see like what all the like enticing things that would make someone who may not be so academically oriented kind of be like i want to do well so that i can go and do these things which is like again what almost 30 years later mm-hmm. 20 you know for sure 20 years maybe 25 years later uh we're still trying to do that in a lot of our even in our field right. admittedly you know yeah, yeah. um uh, we still have have a long way to go with that and um and so i went to that and then I got invited to this other like way smaller engineering uh, uh, program and it was like nine people like that were from different walks of life and we worked directly with uh, maybe it was at nine it was like 12. Um, we worked with three professors and we did these projects and competitions for a week and uh, and they wrote me letters of recommendation for UT and that's how I got in like <laughs> it was literally through like equity mm-hmm. so like the whole reason like all this di that's come to, to fruition over time is like this is how i got my phd so it's not like i'm just oh yeah this sounds like a good idea today i'm like this is why i am here so then like as i go into grad the undergrad um, i start taking all these classes and i just start being like this quasi like hoonigan troublemaker 
unbeknownst to me, academic, like a uh, 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 um, rouser, or I don't know, rebel rouser, whatever. Like seriously, like mm-hmm. I didn't know, like yeah. I just didn't know I was doing that. Like I was in a government class and it was like 400 person class because this is UT, yeah. like huge classes, you know, first semester I got on scholastic probation, like it was a 200 person, 300 person and two 500 person classes. That was like my first experience at UT. We call them cattle call courses, you know, like big auditoriums. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so I was in this government class and the teacher comes up to the, you know, to the class and she's like, holds up the uh, New York Times above her head. And she's like, this is fact. This is what you will read, you know? And, uh, and I like raise my hand. I'm sitting all the way in the back and she like walks all the way to the back with the mic. And she's like, yes, I go, what about those ads? Do those ads constitute facts as well? And she was like, that's a good point. Like, yes, we have to be, you know, cognizant of, of the fact that like, you know, you have the editorial and you have the, the advertising side and, and they can influence each other. And, uh, and so like, sure enough, but at the end of that semester, she came up to me and was like, hey, I'm putting together this public policy making course. I'd really like for you to be a part. And I made a scene in this class. You probably didn't know that. Like, you know, <laughs> again, like I just, but again, cause I spoke up and I like had this intangible. Um, she was like, we'd really like for you to be in, in that class. Can you register for, it? I was like, sure. So I ended up taking like this upper level course that like I would don't even need, but like, mm-hmm. sure, it'll fill an elective. And at the same time, I'm in all my other classes doing the same thing, causing the same problems. And I didn't know this at the time, but it was making all of these professors who would normally never have known me mm. think that guy might like, because I'm not, they're not looking my grade up. They're not like, oh, that's Joey. Let me see what his grade is. Then I can decide if I want to think about this person. And then I'll like associate him as being a good student in my class. They just see me talking in class like this guy must work hard because he's thinking and blah, blah, blah. And I'm really just going like, do I need to read or do I need to come to class? And most of the time I prefer to just come to class rather than read. And then I would make my C in the class and be like, I don't have to come here again. This is awesome. And so I and, and, and again, this is all in retrospect, looking back. This isn't like I had this plan at the time. I just realized this as I look back, like this is what I was doing. <laughs> so I was like. I was like the uh, uh, Max Fisher in um, in Rushmore or something like that. If you've uh, ever seen that movie, like I was just this crazy underachiever that that was just happened to like an idiot savant just know the right things to say at the right time. Like I'll never forget, I was in a situation with that professor and Joe Strobauer, who was mm. like a really good you know communications prof undergrad doing global media with him, working on some projects. Uh, uh, we were doing ethnographic research. I was like in a grad undergrad class with him and I was in that public class, uh, public, uh, 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 what is it? What did I say it was public something? Anyways, public policy. Yeah. Public policy yeah, class. Yeah. And I was studying the digital divide mm-hmm. in, uh, Austin and learning about the difference between the East side and the West side and like the discrepancies in equity in terms of both technological and economic discourse. And of course, racial divide of like how in 1929, like Austin was divided by what would now become 35 and all the minorities were moved over to the East side. And that's why the East side is the East side. So like, I learned all this stuff, like just not like 
because I'm hitting the books, but because I'm like in class and having these things happen around me and I'm saying like, oh, well, in this class, they're doing this thing. And in this class, they're like, why don't I just combine them? And then I can just do this all like together. Like this just makes sense to me. But I didn't know, again, like I really didn't know that that was like what academics do. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, but yeah. I was also doing it like as a sophomore in college. So it wasn't like I was in graduate school when I was doing this. This was an undergrad. So I start doing without knowing, unbeknownst to me, like I think it was either my late in my sophomore year or early in my junior year, I'm taking that public policy course and and we realize in order to do what we want to do, we want to give some surveys out. We're like, we need to go through this thing called IRB. And so, um, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. And they're like, well, you need to do it if you're going to give these surveys to these kids in these classrooms and you're going to use it for this other class too. You need to go through IRB. And so, you know, there was like a group of eight of us and uh, in our group and and um, we worked together and we figure out how to get everything submitted to IRB. And admittedly, as you probably know, because I always tell you I'm horrible at IRB, I was not a huge, I did not play a huge role in that IRB <laughs> Thing, but I, I played a role in getting them connected with all of the schools mm-hmm. and um, okay. and then actually getting the surveys put out. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, it was, it was just serendipitous things like that. And then I would have like, I would also learn hard lessons, mm-hmm. you know, because I, um, because of my personality, you know, true like type A overachievers hated me. I mean, they did not like me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'll never forget in that public policy class. I had my, my grandfather passed away that semester. And um, I had to miss our final presentation. And uh, and so the, um, the uh, uh, group just wrote all of these things about me and just said, like, I got, I got a C in that class. And, uh, and it was really crazy. Like, and I have really crazy stories like that where it would be like, I would do all of this stuff and then like people would just like turn on me and um and and it made me be self-reflective about later much later about how like well how what was i doing wrong and stuff like that and, and a lot of it was just that like i didn't see that you can't i don't know like you can't be too happy all the time i don't know if that makes sense in academia like there's certain kind of academics that just don't like that and I was learning yeah. that, you know, they're like, why are you so damn happy? And I was just kind of like, I just am like I am today. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, uh, uh, so, and that would be like a really interesting learning curve. Like, dude, like I have every story I have, like just goes into weird weirdness because mm-hmm. I'm a weird enigma. Right. And so like that weird enigma was that that professor, right. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, she, she was upset with me and was like, you, you know, they said you cheated and, and that you didn't do, you know, enough work and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, if you believe them, then you believe them and just give me the grade. Like, it's a C, right? She's like, yeah. I'm like, then I'm like, fine. I don't have to ever take this class again. You know, that was like my whole thing was that you had the C's equal degrees mentality. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. You know, and so I just didn't. And that would also like bother everybody around me. You know, they were just like, but you should care about like to the nth of the A. And, and, uh, and I just didn't. So then I would go on, you know, uh, to kind of, accelerate for just a second to finish this story out is that I would I would go on to uh, end up teaching this professor's son unbeknownst to me oh wow okay yeah and uh at, at, at UT with Sandy in the act lab this program that you know I I end up 
you know, kind of being Sandy's protege and we developed the program with Brandon Wiley and a bunch of other people, but we'll get to that. Um, and unbeknownst to me, this guy's like, I am, I love this class. This class has changed my life. Like you have changed my life. I'm so excited. Like my mom is going to come and watch the final presentations. We're so excited. And so like, uh, his mom shows up and I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's, oh, this is going to be awkward. And so I just don't say anything. I'm like, I don't want to start any, like, again, like I'm a positive person, right? But sure enough, like she sees me and, uh, and she's like, Hey, and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? He's like, this is my teacher, blah, blah, blah. I really, you know? And, uh, and she, um, she's like, I remember you from somewhere. I'm like, Oh really? I'm like, yeah. She's like, yeah, I just somewhere. She's like, you, you cheated in my class. And she like starts like throwing all these accusations out at me. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, she like went there. Like, and I wasn't surprised because I was like, this is typical. Like, this is what would happen to me. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. And, uh, and you know, all of my colleagues, everybody around me is hearing her say this stuff. And they're all looking at me like, dude, what did you do? You know? And I was like, I went to my grandfather's funeral, you know, and, and my group members didn't like it. And so, you know, I ended up not doing well, but I would have like, they would be, that would be like traumatic for me and all this stuff would trauma. And I would constantly run into this like academic personality trauma mm. where it was like, for example, when I did get into grad school, I had a, 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 a professor her name's Sharon Strover, mm-hmm. and uh, she would she would correct me on everything I pronounced wrong. Like, I think I told you one time she she you know I would say oh Walter Benjamin and she would be yeah. like, I mean I would say Walter Benjamin and she would be like what well, Walter Benjamin I mean like she like you would knock it into me you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was one of those things where it was just like that's that was like the dark side of academia that I just didn't like I didn't like uh, a lot of it um, but. That said, like, so what would happen is I would be like finishing up my undergrad and be like, people would be like, you know, you should think about a master's. And I'd be like, oh, what's that? I don't even know what a master's, like, what would that even be? Mm-hmm. And they would be like, oh, well, it's where you do this. And then I'd be like, all right. And then I would go and do it. And and then I would get in there and um, like my tech side uh, would would end up giving me capital that I didn't understand at the time. So... At the same time that I was uh, uh, going to school, I was making, I learned to make websites in the ACT Lab. So the ACT Lab is this program that Sandy Stone started in 1991, 92 era. I came in 1999 and the motto was make stuff, take risks. And, um, and later, uh, one of our students would add, be awesome to the end. So it was, that's why I kind of awkwardly said it, make stuff, take risks and be awesome. And, uh, and her name's Amy Stedman and she ended up winning Shark Tank with her oh, friends. Yeah. 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 With Beatbox. And so it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, the stories are, are, can go on and on and on and I'm trying to truncate it a little bit here, but, <laughs> but, uh, there's just a ton, you know? And so basically there were three things that happened in my life, uh, from 99 to 2010, which is where, when I went to UT and I got my BS, my MA, my PhD, I, um, went to school. I helped run a hi-fi store. I was really into high-end audio and I had a mentor named Creston Funk and um, sadly he passed last year. And then uh, uh, I was in the tech scene. 
So I did startups, pitch for VC, had a bunch of friends make millions of dollars around me, um, all that fun stuff. And also start movements and open source software development projects that like would go on to change the world. So, um, so I would do all three of those in parallel. And, um, and I would just like go nonstop. And that's how I've been since. Like that's, mm -hmm. I've always been that way. A lot of people kind of like, when do you rest? And I go, I don't know. I, I mean, yesterday, admittedly, I took, I did, did have to take the day off. I had worked too much, but, um, but yeah, like, uh, uh, so I was, you know, so going into, to grad school, masters aren't funded. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to do your your master's unfunded and then your PhD. At least then it was like that. Mm -hmm. So you would do a two-year uh, master's mm -hmm. and then you'd go get your PhD. And it was a three years funded, three to four years funded. And so um, that was like the big thing. It was like unfunded, unfunded. Mm -hmm. Well, I got in and first semester they're like, hey, like we don't have anybody to teach, to TA these technical courses. The people that signed up aren't technical enough can you do this? And I was like, sure. So I got hired and that's, I started as a TA, like master's first semester. And then from then on, like I always had some kind of, of school income to like keep going and doing what I was doing. And I will also admit another thing I did that, um, I want to like, I want to say I regret to this day, but I just can't, I don't regret it but it was stupid is that I just took out full loans. Oh, I took out full loans mm -hmm. every year I was in school wow. and I don't mean tuition. I mean, tuition and housing. So by the time I finished UT, I owed like $154,000. Okay. Now that said, um, I was never beholden to anybody and I didn't know that as a consequence. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know that, at the time it, it, it didn't that never hit me but everybody else was either going to be rich and could just pay for it or were on scholarship and had to do whatever anybody told them to mm -hmm. very few people again were stupid enough like me <laughs> to like take out this huge like house size loan and go to school and always have enough money per se quote unquote because i'm borrowing it you know and i owe all this money so um, so I ended up being able to, you know, have awkward interactions with people and then be like, well, then you're not going to work for me. And I'd be like, then that's okay with me. And they would be like, well, don't you need this? And I'm like, no, I just take out loans. And they'd be like, you're an idiot. And I'm like, yeah, I just don't know any better. So we'll just keep trucking this way. And, and that's how I kind of got to have like, uh, uh, creative capital off of having this economic capital. I mean, and I didn't even understand that like academic capital was built. I was getting to be like the white privileged man because I had this economic capital that I had taken out and I was leveraging it in a way to give me time to do projects I was interested in and follow them out in ways that most uh, of my colleagues uh, under, you know, undergrad and graduate level um, were beholden to other people's research so it was like oh well in order for me to be here i need to work with this professor and do what they want and be second or third or fourth or fifth person on their paper mm -hmm. and I'll, and to me i'd be like papers that's stupid like i don't want to write a paper like <laughs> what like you, you're gonna like and like so you do all the work and then they just put their name on it and they're like yeah and i'm like ah, 
I don't know. That's just like if I'm reading Foucault. Like, I mean, that's like, you know, the, you know, is it discipline and punish? Like, doesn't that kind of like just resonate with all of y'all? Like in terms of getting screwed over and they would be like, well, you know, I mean, this is how academia is. This is what we got to do. And I'd just be like, yeah, I don't know. I, I just can't do it. So I'm not going to do it. And they would be like, well, then you're not going to get tenure. Then you're not going to get a PhD. You're not going to do that. And, and I'd have faculty tell me that too. And I would just be like, and again, like I, I, I want to be very explicit. I'm not trying to sound arrogant. Mm-hmm. It was I really was stupid. Like I didn't know better. I didn't know better. I just had enough stupid in me to be like, well, then that's fine. Like I, you know, like I don't know if it was like anxiety instead of stupid. Like whatever. Like just I had this thing that just wouldn't let me say, well, and then I need to submit and do what they say and go do it and like. I just, that was too anxiety driven for me mm-hmm. looking back now, at the time. I didn't see it that way. I just saw it as like, I just can't, I'm not going to do that, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. So that's like how, how I got like from like kind of skip, you know, rock skipping, like kind of just piece to piece, just kind of flew into this lake yeah, of, of academia. And, and, uh, and so Sandy, Joe Strobauer, you know, this other guy named Charles Ramirezberg. Um, people who are no big deal in academia. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like all sarcastic. saw this in me you know so no. it was like with with joe you know again like uh i'll never forget had joe and that professor i didn't get to finish that story so joe and that mm-hmm. professor yeah. were walking one day and we're like man joey's like such a good student and like and, and again i'm making like c's in their class you know <laughs> i made a c in that woman's class at the time this is like before she got mad at me you know still finished that class and they're like yeah and he speaks spanish and he's latino and blah blah i'm like wait like and i stop i'm like hold on a second like i don't speak spanish like what are y'all talking about they're like you don't speak spanish i'm like i don't speak spanish like my last name's lopez but like you know my parents were hit in the 60s and like had the spanish beat out of them and like people like you all like don't they couldn't speak spanish and so they didn't want me to learn spanish and they're like oh and like that's why like my wife and I get so kind of like everybody is like into the dual immersion programs right now. And, like we're just kind of like, Ugh. I mean, yes, well, like we really love it. And my wife speaks Spanish. Don't get me wrong, but it's just kind of that whole thing where it's like the white person was like, don't learn Spanish. This is like so below our society. And now mm-hmm. it's like they're all getting to learn Spanish because they have money and are getting into these nice dual language yeah. programs. And like I'm over here like can't speak a lick because my parents took a lick for speaking it. So it was like a really interesting uh, uh, moment, but I would have moments like that all the time, Mm -hmm. like just where um, my academic prowess went unchecked and, uh, and I'm, I'm admitting to that. Like, I'm not, not trying to, Mm -hmm. to like hide it. And I, and, and it's actually something I'm kind of proud of now, but I didn't see then, you know, like that, people were accepting me and those high caliber professors were accepting me um, for something that wasn't needed for acceptance on other students, if that makes sense. Like with them, it was just like a paper or they showed promise academically with me. It was like, I was a curiosity, you know, like, huh? Well, let's see what we can do. Yeah. Keep doing some stuff, you know, like, with Charles Ramersberg, the way I ended up getting in with him again was like technological capital. Mm-hmm. So um, it was one of those things where he, I was working at a multimedia group in, at UT doing it like as an intern. 
and um, he came in. He was working on this book about Latino representations in, in film. And uh, he was like, I'm working on this book, but I just don't know like how I can get screen grabs. Like, I just don't know. Like, there's all these copyright issues or like, do I like pause the VHS that has like noise in it? Like the DVD, like, and I'm like, why don't you just use like a cyber DVD and just hit, uh, I think it was like P for print and it would just like save mm-hmm. the screen cap. It's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, look and i just like pop in a dvd there and i'm like because i watch dvds where i'd scan all these images and stuff and uh and i hit c and he's like and then i go to like the pictures you know on, on the windows computer folder and i'm like see it's right there he's like wait do that again like show me <laughs> you know? i'm like show him and he's like oh wow so he's like so if i just gave you all, all the times like you could just like do this for me. <laughs> I'm like, sure, man. Like, so we, that's what we worked on. And then he ended up just doing it himself. But like that, that was like my initial thing. Mm-hmm. And so then when I got into the graduate program, I took like alternative cinema with him. And I took these other classes where I would do, you know, breakdowns of all the hacker movies mm-hmm. and like, uh, you know, what that means or look at like, one time I explained um, uh, uh, David Lynch's uh, Lost Highway, which is like a circular narrative, if you've ever seen it. And it has like a, a person that has two characters in one. And uh, and I like literally explained the whole movie out to make sense. And uh, and the whole class was just like, wow, this is nuts. And I, and, and, and I would like, like rip scenes from the movie and integrate it in my PowerPoints and show them clips, which back then it was like, they would be like, okay, now to the, I'm going to switch from the PowerPoint over to the yeah. DVD. And then they would like play, like, hold on, I got to get the clip set up. Okay, I got it. Okay, and I'm going to hit play. Okay. And like with me, I would be like, all right. And then here, and I just hit play and it's like right there. And they're like, whoa, how did you do that? And I'm just like, eh, you know, I mean, I'm that, that nerdy tech guy, you know, I'm, that, I'm, I'm the intangible. And that was like one of my big intangibles was that, you know, my brother, just like I went to some programs, he went to some. And one of the ones he went to was in, uh, I think, San Francisco State or something like that in, in San Francisco, California. He did an internship there and he learned how to build computers. And so that's like when I was 15, 16, I watched him take the money he did at that internship experience and buy a computer and go to like a warehouse district and like they open up the little door and like we would buy stuff off of like shelves like not like a uh, like like a commercial store like just like some guys that had went all in and bought all this stock of motherboards and hard drives and computers and they'd have like a sheet for the day of the prices that Mm -hmm. they were for that day and you would go and you'd buy and um and so so i learned about like computers and hardware at like a, a time where this seemed natural to me but like uh not to everybody Mm -hmm. and uh, and i had all these friends that were engineers and all like designers and all these other majors and um and yeah so it was it was to me like college was just this really weird time where i i i used every moment of it like one of the hardest things i have comprehending about like other people and this is not like judgmental it's just again like in retrospect i can look at it now and think like this but like i'm not saying people should see this now as undergrads is that i mean dude 
I would go and explore all of the university. I would go and talk to people, bother professors. Like I took weird classes. Like my brother um, uh, uh, somehow got an internship uh, working for this guy, Dan Jaffrey, mm -hmm. at, at UT in astronomy. And so my brother worked on like the electronics for this uh, spectrometer that would go on the uh, telescopes over in McDonald's Observatory. So he would drive out like like out 90 and and go out to the McDonald's Observatory in Fort Stockton area, which yeah. you know because you drive uh, uh, to El Paso all the time. And uh, and so I found out like through my brother, he's like, hey, like there's this class called astron uh, astronomy instrumentation course. And it doesn't have a math component. And for me, math was like, that's why I got out of engineering. Cause like you had to take differential equations. And I was like, there's just no chance. Like I can't do that. Like, no, I, I'm in my body stood up and walked out, you know, it's funny. I laugh. engineering. I laugh because I'm like the same way when it comes to math that I, I I'm like, whatever I want to do a major that doesn't involve numbers yeah you know? i was like that and so i laughed because of that i'm like yeah really, yeah and really so cool. and, and and it's weird because i am really good with numbers and i am really uh like people would probably think i i'm good at math i'm just not mm -hmm. you know it was just like it was kind of like people thinking i'm i'm uh i speak spanish because i'm latino like people probably assume that i know math because i'm technical does that make sense? Yeah, like, yeah. and, and so, um, so it was one of those things where I signed up for this course and, uh, it was undergrad and graduate and you learned about optics. We worked on optic table, mm -hmm. like, like what you see in the science labs, yeah, optics, yeah. It, we learned electronics and like how to build a monochromator oh, electrically. Wow. We learned about, uh, ray tracing, like light you know, like 3D ray tracing yeah, now yeah. that you see in like Pixar and stuff like we were doing that like way back in the day. And then we learned about like group management and like you would be like a manager of the group and we rotated positions and you'd learn all of them. Oh, and we did machining. Mm. We like went to a precision machine shop and learned how to machine all in one semester. And uh, it was really good class. It turned out great. I got an IA in that class somehow. Yeah, did all right. Awesome. Um, but uh but it was one of those things again, like I just kept getting in these little spaces and, and I would really latch on to them. And I would, I would, if I had a curiosity, I would go and seek that out. And, um, and I just like this, I feel like one of the things that, that we're lacking in academia these days is that kind of pursuit of knowledge, um, beyond engineering. Like, I feel like in a lot of the liberal arts um, majors, including ours, uh, we're just not encouraging our students enough to go out and do and go out and make and go out and experience. And like, yes, you can join frats. Yes, you can go to games. You can go do this and you can go do that. That's cool. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I have tons of friends that do it. Um, but like, you are paying all this money for your time mm -hmm. to be here this is like time and that was one thing like i didn't again i didn't understand how much money i was taking out at the time but i did understand that i had time mm -hmm. and that i was going to have to go to work at some point mm -hmm. that scared me but like i knew that i had time and i knew that i wanted to run with that time 
And that's why I would run a hi-fi store and do tech startups and go, and work on, you know, graduate school and do it all at the same time. And I would intertwine my papers with all of the stuff that's going on. I would intertwine, you know, all the different uh, scenes together. So I would have tech people hang out with academics, academics hang out with tech people and, and tech people hang out with hi-fi people and, and uh, uh, so forth. Like my two mentors would hang out with each other and they didn't know each other before me. You know what I mean? Like uh, Creston Funk and Sandy Stone. And um, and so, yeah, so, you know, that was, that was how I navigated uh, 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 graduate school. And if that sounded messy and coherent and weird, like that's, that's what it was, is that it was, it was a lot of all of that. And the ACK Lab taught me how to deal with all of that mm-hmm. because it was all project-based learning. It was a bunch of um, academic deviants uh, thrown into theme-based courses that taught skills. I like that. I, I, I like the yeah. idea of it. So you would walk in and... Um, we'd be like the class would be death all right you know welcome to fall 2007 this class is called death we're going to be talking about you know liminal spaces we're going to talk about temporary autonomous zones we're going to talk about the tibetan book of the dead we're going to be talking about the undead we're going to be talking about zombies Mm -hmm. we'll read frankenstein um we're going to talk about the death of culture the death of society the uh, uh the way in which we think about our own agency in life oh, wow. you know <laughs> and yeah. and sandy would have like just these sick sick reading packets man like just mm-hmm. and and so it was weird science it was all it was all you know uh, uh uh when cultures collide dream and delirium like those were the the themes and then sandy would have these like i said just crazy readers and then everybody was required to make a um a website and back then it was like notepad like program it and uh and at towards the end we we're using like some templates and a little bit of wordpress but um but we did that we had our own servers that we administered oh, wow. uh we had a 256 ip block at ut which would be like unheard of now we had our own servers in a closet that we built and maintained and um and so it was just pure madness it was anything went we got to do whatever we wanted uh you could make any project you wanted we had students make all kinds of projects whether it was going and documenting what was happening in chiapas with the zapatista movement to um people starting uh uh, like uh, pitching ideas for businesses and them taking off to um students you know baking cakes and talking about the layers and the process of of um, of their agency over like their time in life, and kind of ascribing meaning to these objects to another student. Like like we had one student that uh, came and present presented Pozzoli, Pozzole, oh Pozzole, Pozzole okay. to yeah, class, yeah, yeah. okay, and talked about community and sh- and the sharing of 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 uh, the tradition of eating Pozzole, mm-hmm. right? And the soup and what you know the radish and the onion and the the uh crushed red pepper and and the cilantro and like all all and all of the stuff and showing what it meant and the soup and the hominy and everything and then us all eating it as a community and like sharing in it and um 
you know, people uh, like I'll never forget, like the uh, the traditional academics would always be like, how is this practical? This isn't going to work. Like what it like, what what does this really do? Mm-hmm. You know, what did this really add? Mm-hmm. You know, is it how is this academic? How is this like, uh, where is the, uh, the rubric? Where's the, you know, the bean counters where they're just like sitting there going like this can't work. And that student works at Adobe. That's like a lead, you know. And uh, she took like four classes with us. Yeah. So it's like, you know, over and over again, we'd have like all these students that would come and take all these creative classes and make things that mattered to them. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a, another student that would go and, and do all of this uh, interesting photography. And then, you know, what does he do now? He backpacks and does photography wow. for all kinds of magazines like nat geo and like you know all these others and this was like that space and Mm -hmm. so do i think all of college needs to be that no i mean i'm not i'm not throwing that out but i'm I'm saying there's space for it Mm -hmm. there's space for the unknown and uh and what was interesting kind of technologically was that it's almost like the technology has always been a good excuse for us to do it this way Mm -hmm. Like new media has always been a good excuse for open-endedness. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's new. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you were teaching new media in the 1900s or 20th century or early 20th century, that would have been film, you know, sound, mm-hmm. recorded sound, photography, those kinds of things. And uh, and right now it's social media, right? Mm-hmm. And now it's like the backlash of social media and AI and how it's going to kill us all <laughs> and our die trying, you know? <laughs> And so, you know, it's one of those things where we're in a really kind of interesting space uh, with um, with how school has become this thing that people go to and get through yeah. to go, quote, get a job. Mm-hmm. And, and it's been that way. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the majors have been that way for decades. Um, but, uh, you know, the 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 idea behind academia and academics was like the pursuit of knowledge right mm-hmm. that was like the pure form of it and uh for people to kind of revel in in, in their interests and their passions and to go uh, pursue that and i th- and i just feel like recently over the past um 20 years because of the commodification of education through online and through um uh, k through 12 influences of rubric guising mm-hmm. curriculum to the extent that, you know, we know how to give you a quantitative grade on a qualitative assignment because the rubric is that granular, yeah. that the idea of, of having a program and or, and or at least a set of courses like we have right now at AM that I teach uh, and that I commandeer <laughs> and uh, uh, as Nancy Street Polly kind of sees it as, <laughs> but she gives them to me, you know, she knows what she's doing. Um, uh, uh, and, and, and goes and kind of creates this other space for mm-hmm. people to learn, mm-hmm. you know, and to use this other side of their brain where I'm going like, I don't, all the stuff that you are probably worried about in this class traditionally is probably going to be what's getting in your way of doing well in this class. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So how do I get an A? Don't worry about it. We'll get to that. How do I uh, make sure that, you know, all my stuff is turned in on time? Don't worry about it. Like, let, let's worry about like what your idea is. Like, what do, what do you, what, what are you passionate about? What do you want to do? Well, right now, passion is, you know, 
that's just something people talk about because they don't want people to realize that life is hard and that they're going to have to, you know, suffer and do, you know, work that's not related to passion in order to, to be a successful, you know, uh, worker in our society. And I'm just like, and they are paying $80,000 to go to school to, to have that kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. That's not messed up at all. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, to like already be resolved to this fact that like, well, it's hard because like, well, and I'm like, look, if anybody hasn't figured out in this podcast yet, you know, I'm I'm having a good time and I've always been having a good time. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean I haven't had hard times and that I haven't cried and that I haven't uh, gone through tragedy. But um, there's just a different perspective mm-hmm. that you have to have. Like you yeah. can't, we can't let, especially since I'm in, the, you know, run yeah. a new media program and things like that. We just can't let this idea that we have to have results mm-hmm. in a certain manner be the way. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have to question it. Yeah, and and so you know, you kind of touched upon this already, and yeah. so, um, you know, the way you're using technology and not just throughout your trajectory as a graduate student, but also now as an instructor, I've always found that so fascinating. And you mentioned like your project-based research projects and things like that. So um, how do you think technology has influenced you um, and your approach to academia? Like you mentioned it a little bit already and touched upon yeah. it. Yeah, if you can go more So what's one of the really weird things about me um, is that I am a huge tech junkie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a PhD in media studies. Mm-hmm. So my PhD is untouched <laughs> in a way by the fact that I'm a huge computer person. But my identity mm-hmm. as an academic is seen as the computer guy, the tech guy, the guy. And and like, I mean, you've probably never seen anybody ask me anything uh, theoretically outside of students. Off the top of my head, probably not. I think, right? like, it's I think mostly like, like, like maybe like, yeah, maybe Shrevy. Yeah. Yeah. She would, I mean, she's a huge supporter of me. Yeah. yeah. But like most people see me as like some kind of tech, uh, tech resource. And, um, you know, one of the things about me is that like, I, I came from the ACK lab and the ACK lab was tech and theory mixed together. Mm -hmm. And so I really reveled in that. And, um, I did my, my, uh, master's, um, project, which they swore if you did a master's uh, project report, you couldn't get into a PhD program, but somehow I, I pulled that off instead of a thesis, right? Um, I did a project report <laughs> and it was about personal multimedia production systems, uh, PMPS. And, um, and what it was about was like the idea that, and this was back in 06, five oh six uh right when social media was starting was this idea that we are that we can all have our own personal multimedia production mm-hmm. systems we can all be our own content producers mm-hmm. and so i kind of broke down like my own computer networks and setups because at the time i had like four computers and i had a server and then i had another server uh remote server and then i had um like my cameras and my printers and like because uh, printing to me has always been a part of my life I've always loved having a printer like I have even here today, like I have a photo printer. I have a regular printer that prints photos and things like that. Like you'll see on my fridge, I have a bunch of photos. Those are all printed out on my, on my printer. Cause I just like, uh, being able to be a content producer Mm -hmm. at like, even at the most personal level. And so 
you know, nowadays in 2021, it's like you hold your phone up and it's like, that sums up what I did, right? Like it sums up that we're all content producers. So, so that's how much of a role it's played, but I've been doing this game since like, you know, 1996, Mm -hmm. uh, when I was 16 years old. And really before that, like I was, you know, my parents, uh, the, I think one of the reasons I wasn't worried about my student loan was that my parents in a bad way taught me to, um, spend poorly. And in the eighties, they made some huge financial mistakes, but we also reaped some of the benefits of it, which was that my dad bought like a PC junior in 1983. And so when I was three years old, like I was on a computer already. And obviously that didn't turn me into the best programmer, but I knew how to take the papers and get it to the engineers. And I knew what the computer looked like, (laughs) but I couldn't open it and fix it then. Uh, But my brother who went to MIT or was going to go to MIT could. Um, But all joking aside, like I was always exposed to that kind of tech. My uncle, I had an uncle that was into tech. And, uh, and so by the time I got into college, um, I already knew how to build computers. I was building my own computers. And then in the act lab, like Sandy, like I said, like they had all these servers. And so when I walked in there, like I didn't know about, um, uh, Linux and Unix. And so I learned all about Linux and Unix and I learned about setting up servers and I learned about open source software and GNU, which, uh, uh was a licensing, uh, which is free as in speech, not as in beer kind of thing. And, um, I learned all about open source software development and um i ended up like it's really humbling uh, i kind of did that pause there but it's really humbling because like i ended up meeting walter bender who's one of the founders of the media lab along with nicholas negroponte and like sandy was good friends with them uh back in the day and i met um walter this is one of those random stories again mm. fast forward i'm a college professor at at UIW in San Antonio, I go to all these um, uh, co-working spaces because like towards the end of uh, when I was doing my PhD, like I could have literally done it on Mm co-working because I got really into co-working spaces and whether it was like a little house all the way to like the the corporate ones. And in San Antonio, there was like a large corporate independent one called Geekdom or is. And, uh, and so I went to one of their meetings that they had and this young woman was sitting there and she had an OLPC, which is a one laptop per child PC, which was developed by the media lab and Nicholas Necroponte and and Walter Bender. So I'm talking to her and, uh, we end up befriending each other and we end up, uh, working on a bunch of different projects together. And one of the projects ends up becoming like a really big deal. We uh, she kept telling me, I want to have a conference. And I was like, well, why don't you just have one? She's like, well, Megan, just do that. She's like, I haven't even finished my undergrad degree. Like, how, how can I? Do? I'm like, dude, we'll just do it. Like, I'll put my name on it. I don't care. Like, like you know, I don't care. Like, I, know I have enough stupid in me. I don't care. Like, I don't, it doesn't bother me. And so we end up putting together this open ed conference in San Antonio. Um, we have Walter Bender come. We have this uh, uh, um, guy from, man, I wish I could remember his name off the top of my head. Yosef Prusov uh, come who develops uh, a 3D printer. I can't remember the name of the 3D printer, but it's still super successful to this day come. And we have people from all over the, the nation and internationally come to this conference about open source uh, curriculum and open source uh, hardware mm-hmm. and software development. 
and we have it at this place called Rackspace. And uh, she gets Walter Bender to come because she had worked with him. And so it was like kind of like just that because I know I'm taking up a lot of time. Like, again, it's just these little vignettes. Like that sums up what I do. Yeah. Is that I meet someone and I don't have any agenda. I just want to facilitate what people want to do. And most of the time people like can't believe it or comprehend it. Mm -hmm. They think like, oh, I'm going to get screwed over. And, mm -hmm. and I had, like I said, I've had that happen, like where people mm -hmm. misread me. Yeah. And, and, and it kind of goes that direction, you know, where it, uh, you know, I've had some failed, some failed ventures. Um, but overall, like, you know, it's, it's even like, like I had one fail that wasn't actually a failure. It was just like a huge, just, shit show i don't know like it but it turned out and it was actually very impactful and i learned a lot and the person that that uh it didn't work out with uh they learned a lot and mm -hmm. you know it was kind of um i don't know i just i've always uh uh just like i said like most of the time i mess up is because i just didn't see that coming mm -hmm. and i just get hit over the head it's not because i'm like trying to hide and avoid it and get caught or like have a problem. So, you know, there were multiple times I did that. I once did a documentary and I didn't understand the difference between a, um, like a, a, a project or like a, what would I, what would the name be? Like a program coordinator mm -hmm. and, a, and a, and a executive director. Mm -hmm. And so I accidentally put executive director on this person's title and the executive director like freaked out and like wanted to sue me oh, wow. and uh, and i told her okay and she was just like you're crazy and i was like yeah i know and um and so uh, and the guy got fired because of the fact that i had made this slip up uh the person that like oh, wow. that i had accidentally because i was like shooting this stuff for him mm -hmm. and um and i just didn't know like i didn't know and and it actually all turned out really great like the guy is his name is Mark Barnett uh, is like now uh, finishing up his PhD and doing like uh, 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 experimental pedagogical approaches to uh, learning for K through twelve, and um, he's an amazing person that has had this whirlwind tour since then, living in Hong Kong and wow. Thailand and all over, and so you know, and again I met him uh, through Mariah and oh. through the the maker space that i was at and and we all ended up being like mm -hmm. you know the 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 young woman that i learned from the llpc from i should say and uh and so it was just like i would just keep making these circles mm -hmm. and making informal networks into like non-formal formal networks of people that could talk to each other and ideate and balance each other's ideas off of each other and go and do things so that's you know, that's a lot of what I do. That's cool. That's cool. I was looking at what my next question is and seeing if it kind of transition. Yeah, to, no, that's uh, fine. But um, yeah, I've always been fascinated with, with your approach to to teaching and how you use technology and um, your 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 project based you know, project, no, project-based project. I don't know if that's project-based like, learning. Project-based learning. That's what I meant. Yeah. Um, and um. You know, you, you've, you've again, this is something you've kind of touched upon throughout your whole conversation that we've had thus far. And I just think, you know, how, how it started and how it is now is just fascinating. And like you said, you build these connections and, 
you know, and and it's it's cool because I've seen it happen. Like like in the in the time that you and I have worked together, you know, we we've built connections with other people that, that like I know, like Luis, like like Frederick yeah. Luis Aldama, yeah. like yeah, Doctor yeah. Aldama, um, a former guest of Academics and Amigos too. Um, like I, well, can... I heard his, I heard yeah. him on your podcast. <laughs> So I'm listening to your podcast because I'm a huge supporter. Yeah. I love this podcast, by the way, and not just that. the fact that you put me on it, but like <laughs> I've listened to every single podcast you put out. Yeah. And not because it's like I uh, I feel like mm-hmm. anything other than that, I love listening to them. And uh, and so I heard Frieger and I was like, dude, this guy sounds crazy. And I gave him a little eye, eye, eye look just now <laughs> for those just listening. And I was like, I like this. Yeah. So I messaged him and dude, he was crazy and messaged me back. And so next thing you know, we're like talking about collaborating and working on stuff. And then next thing I know, like he's coming to Texas and yeah, yeah. in the fall, yeah, we're going to likely be meeting up with him and working on some really cool definitely, projects. And, and at least again, like what I mean by projects are not traditional. Like I'm not looking yeah. to write a paper with him. I tried that. Um, and I, I suck at that. I mean, I, yeah, I, I just do about myself. Too. But, uh, <laughs> but um, no, I mean, but I literally tried writing one with, for him and, and I was just not good at it. And he was like really nice about it, but he was just like, yeah, man. And I'm like, yeah, nah, I get it. He's the sweetest. But, He's like super but at the same time, like just to ideate and work on stuff and building community. And like, when I say community, like mm-hmm. literally going out to the mm-hmm. community and then also like academic yeah. community, um, but that's like how it, that's how it goes. And that's how I've always been. Um, I just always try and get other people to come in mm-hmm. that are different and have different perspectives mm-hmm. and, and ideas. And so, um, you know, that's to me, uh, you were asking about like technology, you know, one thing I will admit that I don't tell people because again, I don't want to sound arrogant. Like, and this isn't like, this is, I'm just stupid and just stupid. I mean, like this is intentional is that I am very technically prowess. Like I just am. And I wouldn't say I'm a genius, but I wouldn't say I'm not a genius when it comes to, um, being technically prowess, meaning that I know how things work. I have photographic memory. Um, I can literally take things apart. I can feel things. Uh, I know how to work on cars. I work on all kinds of stuff. I can build computers. And when it comes to software and stuff, like I tend to be able to kind of uh, fumble around and and get things done. And so that that is a talent. I will admit that like, you know, a lot of people just don't have. Uh, now, don't get me wrong, in the ACT Lab, like everybody had it. Mm-hmm. and in their own way and and that made it really kind of cool and serendipitous and that's like what you see when you see people have these startups and they're like oh yeah it just happened it's like well what happens is you get all these people that can do the theory and can do the practice come together and um instead of tearing each other apart or feeling competitive against each other we all work together both cooperatively and parallel mm-hmm. so like we can work on our own projects we can also work together uh, to accomplish like really big goals. And, um, and so that is one, that is one kind of like intangible that I don't talk about. And the reason I don't talk about it, especially in teaching, mm-hmm. but like, uh, uh, in general is again, one, I want to say arrogant, but two, like it is the, I've mentioned it, but like it is not required to be successful. And if you think it is, 
then you've completely futzed it up. Like I think Steve Jobs said this or someone else. I don't know. I could be quoting someone wrong. But like at some point at Apple, people thought the process Mm -hmm. was the solution because they had come from Hewlett Packard. Mm -hmm. And it was always the people, stupid. Like the people were the were the ones that like made things happen. It was not the process. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of to me how I see rubrics, right? Like I often look at it as like, are we trying to get people to fit so that we can easily identify or are we needing to kind of step back and go, what are these people? What like let's look at them more holistically than what we apply to them and hear what's going on and see what's going on and see where the ebb and the flow is. And uh, and so technologically we would always say in the act lab, we were just always like, it doesn't matter if you know how to turn a computer on or not. Like, mm. We'll get you started. We'll have you making websites. So this isn't like, I am technically prowess in that. And if you don't have that, then you can't have this success I've had. I mean, <laughs> whatever success that is. But, but you know what I mean? Like to yeah, kind of yeah. be uppity about it. It's yeah, like, yeah. it's not, that's not what I mean. Um, but I will say having it has definitely mm. like, makes a difference and i and i notice it like because i own a hi-fi store and um i'll have customers you know well what's the difference between this i'll be like oh well this one has a little more bass this one like well no seriously like technically like blah blah blah. and i'm just like you really want to know and they're like yeah i'm like all right and it's like 20 minutes later i explain to them like how it all works and they're like oh wow like you really know about this i'm like yeah but like again like i'm not going to go that deep into it or the other thing I'll do is um, I'll be like, I honestly don't know the answer to that. So here are some places that I typically look to find it. Mm-hmm. Or here are the people that I talk to to find that answer because I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to pretend to know. I'll never like pretend to know. Yeah. Uh, but um, but when I do, like I'll, I'll go in depth. Yeah. So let, let's I want to give a quick shout out to your um, Hi-Fi store. It's in San Antonio. Yeah. Uh, Dream Noids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um. I, I just think that's cool. The fact that, 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 um, you have a hi-fi store too. Um, or, uh, you know, originally you told me about that and then you go every weekend back to San Antonio. I was like, Whoa, I was like, 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 I was like, wow, that's, that's dedication. But that's the type of person you are, Joe. You're very dedicated to your craft, whether it's, um, the, the, the business that you have or your academic work, you know, you're, you're very, dedicated to your craft and i think that's another reason too about your the the technological prowess that you just mentioned too is that you you have a passion for it and and it's kind of carried on through this whole conversation to how powerful passion really is and that's one of the things that i've learned not only from you but from you know former mentors of mine too um how powerful passion really is in terms of um you know creating a project and running with that project you know even like like Dr. Shrevi, um, my advisor, always mentions like you're super passionate about this. Run with it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and she was just, great at that. Yeah, she's really great at that. Yeah. So going full circle with all this, yeah. let's talk about um, uh, one a project I, I work with you on, yeah, and also another uh, project that kind of, they're kind of they kind of work hand in hand too, because yeah. very media based and and uh, tra- trajectory. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so one is the Convergence Media uh, Lab or um, Convergence Media Collective. Yeah. And then the other is a showing trajectory. So what inspired you to create these types of uh, collectives or groups? And um, why do you think they're so important to have? 
So one of the things that I learned in the ACT Lab was that community is crucial to creativity. And community is where those intangibles happen. So if you talk to like anybody mm-hmm. that's done anything, they have some kind of network. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to like the top uppity people, right? They're like, I'm part of the Harvard network. I'm part of, you know, the Aggie network or the right, UT right. network or like, oh, you're UTEP, you know? Yeah. Oh, you know? And it's like, so my networks consist of like all of all of the degenerates, you know, mm-hmm. in a good way. Like yeah, yeah. we're all these degenerates that like come together and network together. And, and so it ends up being these people from all these different spaces yeah. that have just these really kind of different views. And so when I was in the ACT Lab, Sandy would have an end of year party every year mm-hmm. or sorry, every semester. Mm-hmm. So every fall and spring. And so all the ACT Labbers that graduated that were still slacking in Austin are doing really well in Austin, both, you know, <laughs> um, would come. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it was like a motley crew. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was like a, a student that had graduated that was doing her PhD, I think at UT Arlington or UT Dallas and was doing it on uh, performative dancing, mm-hmm. like as a stripper and doing autoethnographic research. And so she would come like every time and tell us about like her, mm-hmm. her like how her projects are coming along <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> that would always be a really interesting conversation yeah, yeah. to get an update on. And then we had people that were like doing uh, a free net, which was uh, 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 free Wi-Fi in, in uh, uh, Austin, which is this guy, Rich McKinnon, who now does like healthcare uh, work for um, for the gay community in, uh, in Nashville. And, um, and so it's like all these people would just show up to these parties and collision after collision, intangible collision after intangible collision would happen. And, uh, and so I kind of took that. And when I, when I became a professor at, at UIW, I started hosting the Convergent Media Talk Series. And um, I was just inviting people from Austin to come talk to San, <laughs> talk in San Antonio. And it was so crazy because like the hardcore San Antonians did not like, not only did they not care, they like hated that I was bringing people from Austin. You know, they were like, why do you got it? Like, we can do it. We can do it. And I'm like, it's not about that. It's about creating community and creating network and going back and forth because what you'll realize after a while, and I know I sound condescending and I am being a little condescending, is that because um, I give our I, 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 I give San Antonio a hard time because they're always going to have this problem until they realize to embrace this, which is um, people think you're really cool too, mm-hmm. already who you are. And the reason it's cool to have them come and give talks is that then we can go and give talks and then we can start having this like Like reciprocal, yeah, reciprocal uh, uh, relationship. Just like if we were to do it with El Paso or Mm -hmm. with the Valley, because the Valley's going to see us as like, oh, you're San Antonio, you think you're big shit and it's like all over again or El Paso or whoever. And it's like, no, we really are trying to celebrate and bring awareness of what each other are doing. So I'd have people come from the ACT Lab, come and give talks at, at UIW. And and then after a while, it was like San Antonians and like different people that were doing things here. And then the Austin people were coming down for the talks and hearing the talks. And so we ended up having like this like whole network start being created. And we would actually uh, end up going and doing like uh, uh, the East Austin 
uh, uh, tour, which is like this art tour. And uh, uh, we would go and do projection mapping and DJ up there. And like um, we'd go to talks up there and I'd take students up there. Like I'll never forget, I took some students to uh, go hear Sandy talk and it was during Occupy Wall Street. And so I, I dropped them off at like the, the uh, uh, city hall and they like totally were like part of the drum circles and like all the, you know, cause you know, uh, 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 uh what's it called? Occupy Wall Street in San Antonio was like maybe 20 people. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know? okay. It was, like, was not big. It's like a huge DOD town, yeah. Department of Defense, you know? And so, you know, for these students to go to like where there's thousands of people and cops all over and like just this huge presence was, you know, again, that equitable, like, instead of going to 3M, right, I, I was taking them to, like, you know, communications cultural uh, uh, events where they were learning about, you know, these different things mm -hmm. that occur and how you can be participatory and and uh, and see what's going on. And I took them to, like, TV studios up there, and, and we would take them to recording studios in San Antonio, and, and we'd have the people come and give talks at the talk series. So, so that really created uh this space and uh, i had this colleague well student at the time his name's uh andrew valdez who you would really like um he is uh, an amazing person um that is just happy he's just a happy person like i'm happy but this guy's like just i don't know he's he's, he's amazing and um and so he and i and like a Johnny and a bunch of other students, Miriam and Aaliyah and like a bunch of students at the time said, you know, we should start documenting this. And so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll get a domain name. We'll make a website, get a WordPress going, blah, blah. And, and Andrew went and created all the graphics. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then, you know, it was like, well, who's going to look at this? What is this going to be like? We're going to put a blog up. And, you know, this was like 2012. And, um, you know, nine years later, we have tens of articles documenting all of the stuff that we've done. Like these articles are significant and they're deep and they really uh, do document the work with photos and video and text. And uh, and so this collective is really just a collective of of anybody that's interacted and that wants to put their name on the on the on the website. And uh, and so. You know, showing trajectories came about because, um, to be blunt, I was in meetings for DEI here at AM and they kept saying, how do we become more, you know, diverse? And I'm like, well, you need people that look like the people that go here to be uh, giving talks and giving lectures and in and, and, and positions of power and in positions of success so that they can see a trajectory. And they were like, well, we can give you some money to do a talk series. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. So, uh, cause I had already been having people come and give talks to the classes, but I hadn't had anybody come and, uh, and be able to pay them and all that stuff. And so, so, uh, I was like, well, let's start putting a group together. And uh, I talked to Johnny about it and, and I just started inviting people to, uh, be a part of it and, uh, my hope is that we just keep growing the group and adding more and more diversity to it and insight and, and uh, different people's kind of perspectives. Because to me, it's not about, again, it's not about institutionalizing, showing trajectories. That's like the antithesis of, yeah, of what we yeah. do. It's about like having it change and having some rupture and being wrong and, and someone coming in being like, I know you did these 
talks, but like, you really should have had this and this and, and not be like defensive and be like, no, like you're trying to take over this. It's like, oh really? Like, okay, so what should we do? Like, what yeah. do you suggest? Like, you know, who do we need? Who aren't we hearing? You know, there. one of the interesting things about the situation here is that there's time. Well, okay, well, we'll put out some more. Like, what do you think? Wait, what? Yeah, yeah I'm not here to be like, say no, I'm here to facilitate. You know, I've already had some feedback like that. And, uh, and I tell them like, well, just tell me what you want. Like, tell, like, we'll include you. Like, I want to see. And that's the cool thing about like showing trajectory that that project is really cool because the people that, that we all work with, you know, our, our little group is very open-minded too. Yeah. Like we're so open to all these ideas are very experimental and everything with it. And I think that's the fun part about it too. Um, and it's just been a fun project to be a part of too, personally. Um, if you all have a chance to check out um, some of the YouTube videos on Showing Trajectory, just look it up and you can see some of our YouTube talks on there, our presentations that we've done. Um, we have a couple coming up as well. And uh, it's, it's just been a really cool experience, like working like for these um, this past year. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, my whole, I just, I really, uh, <laughs> been through some traumatic stuff. And uh, I went to counseling this uh, past February and my counselor was like, you seem just so much calmer, you know, like you're not as angry as you used to be. Cause like I used to be really fired up. I mean, when I talk about all the stuff I used to, I mean, I was like going to all the marches. I was going to all the protests. I was, you know, um, doing a bunch of civic engagement and not to say that I don't still do that, but I was, you know, I was a, a, a noisemaker, you know, and, um, and I had, uh, angst in me that would go towards people that just wasn't as clean as I'd like it. If that makes sense. It was, it was kind of like, a it was like a kind of, I don't know, more like a shotgun than like a direct shot. Like it was, I was hitting people that I didn't need to hit like that. And, uh, and, and I, you know, about, three years ago, four years ago, right before I got this job here, you know, I had lost my job and I got a lot of humble pie. I moved in with my parents while I was married, you know, uh, my, like my, not, not moved in with my parents, moved in with my sister. Uh, my family did. And, uh, my parents helped us out, gave us like 1500 a month. Like it was, it was bad. You know, I had lost my job and I had to refine myself. And like, I think that really just humbled me and made me realize like today when I have things happen, it's like, I've got a job. I, uh, I can go and help other people. And, um, I've got a family that cares about me. That's going to help me. And so I think that's why I'm a lot calmer now. Cause I used to just, I mean, I have, I suffer from anxiety. I take medication for it. I've had blood pressure, diabetes. I have everything that like can contribute to me going crazy and dying early. But I like I work against all that. Like I push against it, and and it's not easy. Like even today, like I took my blood sugar and it was one ninety nine. I've been working really hard, and it should be like one twenty. And I'm just like, like, what are you doing to me, life? <laughs> like, I'm eating. Uh, I, you know, I'm not eating horrible. I mean, I I I I, uh, I did cheat a little bit, and that's why like it was higher. But it shouldn't have been that high. Like I cheated the day before, and it was like one thirty, and I was like okay, I'm doing all right. Like, I'm not going to get in too much trouble with this. And then boom, 199. I was like, oh, dang. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things where I'm very open. All my life is on the internet. 
for people that don't know, <laughs> you can go and find me <laughs> all over. And, um, and so, yeah, so it's, 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 uh, my aim working with you and working with everybody else that I get to interact with is just, uh, hopefully bringing a calmness, but also bringing, um, like an assurance that, uh, y'all are going to be able to go and do great things. And it's not a pep talk. It's just true. I appreciate that, Joey. Thanks a lot, man. Um, so with that being said, do you want to share any of these um, links or any, or people can find you and stuff before we wrap up this interview? Sure. Um, you know, uh, dissertation.jtlopez.com, like Joseph Todd Lopez. Uh, that's my dissertation. It's online. It's been there since mm-hmm. I defended it uh, and before. And uh, the public, it's yeah, it's publicly public. available. Mm-hmm. Uh, mygeekylife.com with a Y after K. Uh, mygeekylife.com. That's my one of my websites. Um, I have Joey's photography and video.com. <laughs> on Instagram, I'm Joey Hi-Fi. On YouTube, um, uh, it's called uh, uh, Professor, Joey. Professor Joey. And then also have um, yeah, Joey PhD. Mm-hmm. There are two different channels. One is my Tamu channel, and then one is uh, Helping Others, which is my podcast that someday you'll be on, hopefully. I'm down. And we'll talk about you. I'm down. But um, but yeah, I, that's, I have a ton. I'm all over the internet. And um, like I said, my, my life's a pretty open book uh, because I want other people to hopefully learn from my mistakes because I, I make a lot of them, but I document them. <laughs> Well, Joey, I appreciate you. Um, one, allowing this uh, to uh, for being on the podcast. One, being on the podcast. Two, for um, allowing us to record in your your home and to use your equipment and everything. And just this was an awesome conversation. And um, I've, I've learned so much from you personally, myself. And uh, it, it's an honor to know you as a as a friend, mentor. And yeah everything man like um i'm just very grateful to have you in my life so thanks so much for being on the podcast and being a part of my life man well thank you and uh ditto you know like for real and we're doing this uh uh in my in, in my wed- one bedroom apartment <laughs> where my family lives we're at our my kitchen table which also works as my zoom space which the background is like where my kid sleeps <laughs> so it's like it's a tiny living yeah it's a nice apartment though it really is yeah so. yeah um, I don't know if this is going to be visual or not, but hey, there you go. Um, but with all that being said, thanks for listening. And um, until next time, be cool and stay awesome. Thank you. Oh, that's like perfect timing. A special thank you to Dr. Joey Lopez for being a guest on this week's Academics on Amigos. For more on Joey, be sure to follow him on Instagram at JoeyHiFi or follow him at his personal website, www.mygeekylife.com. For more on Academics on Amigos, be sure to check out the website www.arramirez.com slash Academics on Amigos. And be sure to follow us on all our social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're also on TikTok now, so be sure to follow us on TikTok at Academics Amigos. This episode was hosted, produced by Anthony Ramirez. Also special thanks to Kyle Colgazer for all his help. Until next time, my friends. Hasta luego. Be cool and stay awesome.